boxes. They're wonderful things, aren't they? They're useful for moving. Uh, I've used a lot of boxes for that over the years. Use boxes to hold things, to store things, to protect things, to confine things, to organize stuff, to give gifts in them. And give a big box to a child, and as long as that box lasts, often they'll have more fun in that box than they do with their expensive toys. As adults, we still play in boxes. And no, not cardboard boxes like that, but on-scene boxes, boxes of our own making. Boundaries and limitations that we place on ourselves, and these boxes are called, I can't, I won't. I don't want to. I would be too uncomfortable to do that. That makes me scared. Impossible. I've been hurt and I'll never do that again. And in the end, we just are saying, no, I won't. And these boxes have so many different names, but they exist for the same thing. And that is to box ourselves into a safe place, a comfortable place. And so these boxes that we create for ourselves also do another thing. They box God into a box also. And so when we say, I can't, what we're really saying is, God, you can't. Even more specifically, what we're really saying is, God, I don't trust you. Because when God asks us to do something, it's not about whether I can or cannot do it. It's about whether God can or cannot do it. And the reality is that God will often ask us to do something that we cannot do or that we're fearful of. And because we know that God will ask us to do things that we're fearful of, we like to create in our minds a God who wouldn't ask such things of us. But it's when we cannot that we experience that God can. And so as long as I say I can't or I won't, I will never experience that God can. And when we keep ourselves and God in that box of I can't, it seems like we're protecting ourselves. It seems like that we're creating a safe place for ourselves. But the reality is we're missing out on the greatness of God and his power. Being weak is not a reason to create a box to protect ourselves. In fact, God will often make us weak so he can display his power. 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7, Paul said that there was given to him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment him. It was so bad, he says, that three times he pleaded with God to get rid of this. And God said no. You see, what Paul is saying is, I have this problem. God, you're asking too much of me. I can't. And God's answer is, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God likes to put us in the position of I can't so that he can show that he can. Now, does this mean that when someone asks you to do something, every time somebody comes and says, do this, that is God asking out of you? No. Often other people ask you to do things that God isn't asking you to do. But when we know 
that God is asking it of us, then we need to step out. You know, churches can be very good at twisting arms, even laying on the guilt trip. If you don't do this, it's not going to get done. If you don't do this, you know, this program is just not going to happen. And when we let God, or when we let people twist our arms into doing something that God isn't asking of us, all we've done is we've stepped out of a box of our own making into a box which someone else has made for us. And often that is not good. It doesn't take you into the box that God has created you to be. Because you do have a box. But it's not a box of your own making. It's a box of God's making. You are God's workmanship. And so let this box be that which God asks of you, what he desires for you, what God can do. And you will experience then God's power. But that means often we have to say no to the box that other people are creating for us. This box of God's making is the box of who God created you to be. Or if you want to change the analogy, you have a fit. You were created to be someone unique, just the way God wanted you to be for his purposes for you. And it's so important that you find your fit to learn who you are not <clears throat> and to learn who you are. Now, I know some of the things I'm not. As a young boy, there were three of us boys in the congregation. We were sitting together, and they were singing the hymns, and uh, we three boys were fooling around, and I... I guess it irritated the pastor of the time because suddenly he stopped the music. He made the three of us come up to the front and he said, okay, now boys, you're going to sing the song for the rest of us. Now I realized something that day as we sang. I sounded awful. <laughs> Sometimes people will say to me, well, you can't sound that bad, to which I just say, well, go ask my wife. When we were first married, she used to ask me to sing. Now if I sing, she asks me to stop. <laughs> I went to Prairie Bible College, and in those years, everyone had to take at least one year of music, and you had to sing in the choir one year, in the large choir. It was a requirement. <clears throat> now they made an exception for me. They suggested that I be excused. <laughs> And I think there was a huge sigh of relief from them when I accepted the suggestion. In our first church that we pastor, Esther and I were, would do puppet shows for the children. And often I would use a puppet, uh, we called it Attila the Gorilla. Now Attila was supposed to have this deep gruff voice, and according to the script, he was supposed to sing off key. And so during the puppet play, while Attila and Esther's puppet were singing this song, Esther just cracked up laughing, and poor Attila had to finish by himself. <laughs> and after the service, one of the men came up to me and said, Don, you are really talented. He said, it takes a lot of talent to sound that bad. <laughs> and I said, no, it's natural. <laughs> so you'll never see me leading worship. It's not my fit. It's not who God wants me to be. It's not part of the box that God has created for me. Because being, part, being God's workmanship does not include singing. But also going back to Prairie at the Bible's College, everyone had to take some years of learning to preach. 
the men had to take three years of learning to preach. Now, it was awful. One day, the professor told me, he said, Don, if you didn't excel on the academic side, you would fail this class because of your preaching. I dreaded the preaching classes. It was not who I was created to be. And I was coming up into my third year, I was dreading it again. And then I discovered that I could uh, substitute and do a class on teaching. And suddenly I found my place. I could teach and I enjoyed it. It was my fit. Now you might be thinking, well, you, but you preach. But that's another story of how that came to be. Because as we go through life, God can change your box. The point is, you need to be trying things out to find out what God does not intend you to be and what he does intend you to be. Finding out what you're not, often a lot of people will try stuff and they, well, that was a failure. No, that's an important part of finding out who you are, is finding out who you're not. God has planned out who you are. Psalm 139 says, You shape me first inside and then out. You form me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, your breathtaking body and soul are marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. Talking about himself. I worship, or you know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived a day. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Or the NIV puts it, For we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus, do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 1 Corinthians 12 says there's different kinds of spiritual gifts, different kinds of service, but a spiritual gift in verse 7 has been given to each of us so that we can help each other. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things have been handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. I like how that translation puts it. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. And so what's the Bible telling us that way before you even existed, God already knew all your days. He pre-planned who you were going to be, not just your body but the abilities, the gifts, so on. He's even pre-planned the good works that he wants you to do. You were created in the image of God. <clears throat> so part of what being created in the image of God means that God has made you into a specific package to reflect who he is. And so you have specific gifting and abilities, the specific things he wants you to be and to do so that you could reflect his image by using those giftings and abilities to serve the rest of us. And the result is God is glorified and the rest of us benefit. But to use those giftings, to use those abilities, to be who God wanted you to be, you're going to have to destroy the box 
that you've built around yourself, the box that keeps you safe and confined. And you're going to have to get into the box that God has created for you, the box that defines who you are as God wants you to be, who you are according to the gifts and abilities he has chosen for you, who you are according to the good works that he's chosen for you to do. So let's change the metaphor from a box to an elephant. And then I'm going to come back and mix the metaphors and drive the teachers in our congregation crazy because you're not supposed to mix metaphors. You're going to have to ride the elephant. What do I mean by that? Well, it comes from a parable about a mouse and an elephant who are friends. And the mouse loved to ride on the elephant right up on top of his head. And one day as the two of them crossed the bridge together, that bridge just shook back and forth as they walked across, to which the mouse said to the elephant, we sure shook the bridge, didn't we? This is the relationship that God wants with you. He's the elephant, you're the mouse. And as you do the good works that he's planned in advance for you to do, things are going to happen. Wonderful things, but the glory will go to you. Yes, he's involving you and he's using you, but it's his power that's displayed. God is not looking for you to be an elephant that shakes a bridge. He's looking for you to be the mouse who will journey with him, and together with you, God will be the elephant who shakes the bridges. This is why Paul said that he delighted in his weaknesses. He pleaded for God to take them away. But Paul came to realize that his weakness reduced him to the mouse who was dependent on riding on the elephant. And together they were shaking bridges. God's power was being displayed. And so really what Paul was saying is God wants me to be weak so that I'll ride the elephant. When we see ourselves as strong and when we're doing it in our own strength, in actuality we are the mouse strutting across the bridge by himself and saying, wow, I shake bridges. To shake bridges, you have to trust the elephant, you have to ride the elephant, and you have to let the elephant shake the bridges, and together with the elephant, you get to experience things which were impossible for you as the mouse. Jesus put it this way. Together with him, you can move mountains. Peter experienced this way. Together with Jesus, he walked on water. Yes, you're doing it, but it's God's power all the way. You know, as Peter was walking on the water, suddenly he just realized how impossible it was and he retreated into his box of safety. And what happened? He sank. And that's what happens when we get out of God's box that he's designed for you and you go into your own box of safety. So God has created a box just for you. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. We're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I ask you, what is this box that God has created for you? No, don't look at your neighbor and don't look at someone else's box. That's not your box. Don't compare yourself to someone else. Are you willing to step outside of the box that you've created for yourself? 
a box that you've created to keep you safe or maybe to give you your identity, a box that uh, confines you? Are you willing to instead step into the box that God has created for you? Let this box define you and you'll find out that it sets you free to be who God created you to be. If you're going to live in the box which you've created for yourself, you're never going to shake bridges or walk on water. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, but I'm afraid. That sounds scary. Ask yourself, what is the worst that could happen if I get out of my box and into God's box for me? Well, many people think that the worst that would happen is that God is going to ask me to do something that I cannot do or do not want to do. And I will say to you, that's guaranteed almost, that God will do that. Or that God will ask me to do something which I'm going to fail or look like a fool. Or that God will ask me to do one of my can'ts. I can't preach, I can't teach, I can't pray in public, I can't witness, I can't give, I can't... You can go on endlessly, can't you? Fill in the blank for yourself. What is your can'ts? But I want to ask you, what is the worst thing that can happen? Well, the worst thing that I can uh, do is I try something and I fail. But is that so bad? Teaches me humility. Sometimes God lets me fail because he does want to teach us lessons through it. Sometimes we fail and we learn that this is not who God created me to be and that's a good thing to learn. Or some think the worst that's going to happen is God is going to ask of me a sacrifice that's greater than I can offer. Like the rich man whom Jesus asked him to sell everything, give it all away and come follow me. Or to go off to some far land as a missionary to a dangerous place. Or send my, to send my child there. Or that God would maybe ask me to give my life for him. But are these things so bad? You know, God has asked them of hundreds of thousands of people who've considered it a blessing to suffer in these ways. This I know. When God asks you to sacrifice more than you're willing to offer, if you obey, the end is better than hiding in your box. Here's the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen to a person is to reach the end of their life and not have him being the image of God to this world. To not have, allow God to live his life out through you. To not allow God to reveal himself through you. To not have fulfilled the good works planned in advance for you to do. To have been invited to ride the elephant and refused because it was too scary, too uncomfortable, and because of that you never shook any bridges. You know, one day, God came to Gideon while Gideon was hiding out in a wine press, thrashing out some grain. And the reason he was hiding is because the Midianites, every time that it came harvest time, they would come into the land of Israel with a vast army. And they would just carry everything away, steal everything. And so he was hiding from them, trying to save a bit of food. Gideon was a weak and fearful man, not just afraid of the enemy, he was afraid of his own townspeople. He was timid. He was young with little influence or power. He had no political influence, no army, nothing. And yet the Lord came to him and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
Now, how could he call Gideon a mighty warrior? Because Gideon was fearful. He was doubtful. He constantly asked God for signs. He struggled with believing God and following through in what God was asking. He kept asking God to prove himself. He was afraid to lead, and when he did lead, and he finally got an army behind him, God sent them all home except for 300 men and said, you're going to do it with 300 men, and you're going to go out against this vast army. All the way through the story, God keeps Gideon reduced to being a mouse so that he had to rely on the power of the elephant. Gideon was a mighty warrior, not because of himself, but because the Lord was with him. It was God all the way. And God came to him knowing that in spite of how fearful Gideon was, how timid he was, that Gideon in the end would be willing to get out of his box and he was willing to be the mouse who would climb onto the elephant and ride the elephant. God told him to go on the strength Gideon had and save Israel. What strength did Gideon have? He had the strength of the Lord. That's where the strength came from. And as he did so, he experienced the mightiness of God all the way. He rode the elephant and he shook bridges. He destroyed the enemy. Now, do you think he was scared? Yeah, he was. And that's the picture you get. He was scared all the way through it. You know, for us too, it'll often be scary. I can almost guarantee it. You know, as I just studied this through, I just thought, why are we so willing to do scary stuff to get an adrenaline rush and yet not do the scary stuff that God wants us to do? So this morning, I'm asking you to enter into a great gamble. And it's actually not a gamble because you're entrusting yourself into God's hands. But until you learn what it feels like, it can seem like a gamble. And here's the gamble. Many people are gambling that by confining themselves into the box of their own making, they will have the best possible life that they can have. So they're going to hide where it's safe, huddled into their safe box. And so often what they do is they'll bring many things into that box that they think they need to ensure a good life. Relationships, sex, parties, alcohol, drugs, work, money, possessions, houses, vacations, leisure, on the list goes. It's different for different people. But they bring into that box what they think they need to have the best possible life. And they're gambling that in the end, the end result will bring meaning and happiness to their lives. And often it takes 10 years, 15 years, 20 years to begin to see if the things they're investing into are worth the gamble. And if that's our box, this I know that after years of investing into your box in those ways, the end result will be empty and unfulfilled lives. It took Solomon a lifetime to figure this out, that the box he had made for himself was empty and unfulfilling. First, he thought that sex would bring him fulfillment. After a thousand women, he figured out that it wasn't making him happy. So he built himself a palace, the fanciest home in the whole country and everyone looked at his house and said wow but he still wasn't happy he bought fields and became a farmer he planted orchards and vineyards he had large flocks and herds he was the biggest most successful farmer of them all and he still wasn't happy he tried music he didn't download music from itunes he bought the whole band he hired the best music stars to perform for him 
He had so much gold and silver that he lost count of it. He didn't measure it in dollars or ounces. He measured his gold and silver in tons. He'd bring it in by the shiploads. And having tried it all, having had it all, having experienced everything that he could bring into his box, this is what he said at the end of his life. It's meaningless. My life is meaningless. It's vanity of no value. He gambled on a box of his own making and he lost. Bill Hybel said, if you try to satiate the self-gratification monster in you, he will eat you alive and spit you out at the end and you'll get to the end of your life and regret how you did your one and only life. So you ask, what's the alternative? The alternative is to ride the elephant. Let God define your box. Let God define who you are. Let God define what you are meant to be. Let God define the good works which you are to do. God has already defined this, so go for it. And the Lord's strength, his mighty power, his sufficiency will be with you. Yes, it'll be scary at times up there riding the elephant. At times it's going to stretch you way beyond yourself. At times you're going to wonder what God is doing. But always, always his strength will be with you. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. There is no fulfillment like having allowed God to define the box of your life and you riding the elephant. To in spite of being fearful and hesitant like Gideon, you partner up with God by pursuing his plans and his purposes. His good works for your life. So you have the good gamble, uh, you have the great gamble before you. Are you going to gamble on the box of your own choosing? And at the end, you hope that you're not saying meaningless, meaningless like Solomon did? Or are you going to gamble on the box that God has created for you and experience his power and the fulfillment that he's intended for you? Let's pray. Father, what an awesome God to think that you are so interested in each of us individually. That you have been involved in the forming of our bodies, the talents we have, even the spiritual giftings that you give to us. Every detail of our life. And you're doing all of this so that we could fulfill your purposes, your plans for us. And you're inviting us along on that journey. And I just pray that each of us this morning, we would just catch this and say, yes, yes, I want to be riding the elephant. I ask this in Jesus' name.